Hello, and welcome back to Tide Talks, our new series of Save the Bay podcasts, where we're having casual conversations about environmental issues uh, with the people who work at Save the Bay. So listeners to the first few episodes will probably detect a change in ambient noise uh, in the background of this recording, and it might sound like we're in a rainforest or something, but actually, uh, we're not in the Providence office today. I am down in Westerly in the South Coast Center with Dave Prescott, the Save the Bay Coast Keeper. How are you doing, Dave? Good. Excellent. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, it's been a fun trip down here today, <laughs> kind of getting me out of my uh, normal haunts, moving me out to other parts of the state. Um, so, Dave, you are the Coast Keeper for Save the Bay. Yep. And you work down here in the South Coast Center. How long have you been down at this location? Uh, so, back in 2007... Uh, Save the Bay opened the opened an office down here in mm. Westerly, um, uh, and I was I've been running that office since 2007. So um, that is also the same time that mm. Save the Bay added the Coast Keeper program. So okay. that is the second second Waterkeeper um, Alliance yeah. member um, that is uh, part of our organization, mm-hmm. and. Um, it's been great. Now, where we are here in the South Coast Center, we opened this about six years ago, yeah. and the South Coast Center is a uh, interactive kind of exploration center. We have a bunch of tanks. We have a, uh, a touch tank here. We do crafts down here with kids and stuff like that, but it also serves as our base for our work here along the South Coast of Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, you know, overall, it's, it's been great, and I uh, look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, um, I'm... This is my first time visiting the Down South here, Coast yeah. Center, and I'm impressed by all the tanks. Mm-hmm. And Save the Bay is relentless with the with the tanks and the mini aquariums. Yes, we just yes. had an episode with Adam Kavarsky about the aquarium in Newport, and yes. you can definitely hear them in the background. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on in here, so anyone in Westerly who wants to come check this out, That's it's right, right in town. Absolutely. It's nice and easy to get to. Yep. And you were the second water keeper added to the organization, organization the correct okay. yep and then kate yeah. became the third as the, as the well yeah. before it was rachel for a year yep. and then kate just took over that role as as the river keeper right. yep so, so we have three water keepers that's awesome so we now we now have the trifecta because you're the third <laughs> that's one right. to be recorded on the show so okay now, we've spoken now we have all, all of them all right with all the water keepers and how are the responsibilities of the coast keeper different from the bay keeper and the river keeper obviously this is the south coast yep the ocean facing part yes yep of Rhode Island. so and and obviously the three of us all work very closely together. There's a lot of our issues are kind of interwoven, even though geographically they're in different areas and whatnot. So um, down here along the South Coast and, you know, Save the Bay, like I said, mentioned before, back in 2007, we established a presence down here, um, an actual physical presence um, and being a building, you know, a person that is a coast keeper, a boat and whatnot. Um, Prior to that, we had been doing work down here, um, but one of the things that's, that was tough was that, you know, being not, not having that presence here um, was challenging. So part of our funding helped to open up an office down here and whatnot. And a lot of my focus down here is on water quality, which is similar to the other keepers that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big part of my program. But the other challenge, too, because it is, for the most part, um, uh, a mix of different habitats down here and environments. We have not only the, the, the southern shores and our beaches and stuff, but we have Little Narragansett Bay, which is on the yep. far, far western side of, of the state. So basically on the border of um, Connecticut and Rhode Island. Um, and then we have a series of, of salt ponds that stretch basically from westerly all the way to Narragansett. Mm-hmm. And each one of those different habitats and environments is, is very different and challenging and whatnot. So yeah. 
a lot of my issues down here have a lot to do with um, climate impacts mm -hmm. and where we're actually really seeing more of those those kind of long-term impacts affecting the area down here such yeah. as you know higher sea levels more flooding mm -hmm. um more intense storms. If you remember back, you know, we've had several storms over the last decade. We had yeah. um, a, a hurricane uh, or a tropical storm, Irene. We had Superstorm Sandy. Yeah. And those had, for the most part, had larger impacts down here along the southern coast um, than they did in other parts of the, yeah. of the bay. So because I, the bay is pretty well sheltered from it is, It is, yeah. Storm attack. And, and, and a lot of it has to do with how the storms approach and, and, yeah. and the direction they're heading and everything like that. So, mm -hmm. um, um, here, down here, the impacts were really felt mostly along the southern coast here, okay. where we had a lot of, a lot of coastal flooding, a lot of um, sand. That basically the, mm. the 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 coastal barriers or the dune systems basically, um, <laughs> basically disappeared, and yeah. and about four and a half five feet of sand washed up on the, on um, across the street in in downtown Musquamakit and Westerly. Okay. Um, so the da damages were pretty significant. So yeah, okay. And it's uh, a topic somewhat related to that uh, storm power and just generally the business of living on a, the coast of an mm -hmm. ocean that I wanted to talk about today. Actually, I'm hoping to continue a, a discussion we once had about yeah. seawalls. That yes. was uh, quite an interesting topic, and it's something you know a lot about. So yeah. that is what we're going to discuss Excellent. today in yep. this uh, episode of the show. Um, so we broached the subject casually talking about surfing once yep. you're a yep. big surfer right yes yes i am yep and um like most rhode island surfers you're familiar with the matunic area yeah very very well the, yes one of the I best love it spots there. to yep. uh, surf at yep and we started talking about how much the matunic beaches have changed since the erection of a few specific seawalls and what's fascinating what was fascinating to me as sort of an unanointed mm -hmm. uh, member of the of the conversation was I didn't realize that seawalls have a very ironic effect in that when you build a flat structure at the end of the beach it begins to erode the beach yes absolutely and that's what we've seen happen in Matunic right yeah I think you know especially down here along the southern coast it is challenging on so many different levels mm -hmm. um, if you have a nice piece of coastal property there Obviously, um, you want to do anything you can to protect that. Um, there's a lot of money tied up in coastal property. Um, towns rely heavily on that tax base. Um, most of the communities down here in South County, the majority of their funding through um, uh, year to year through their budget is from is from the first couple rows of housing. Yeah. So as a homeowner that owns a piece of property, and there's a lot of concern about as storms get more intense, as sea levels get higher, as flooding occurs more often, mm -hmm. that you want to do anything you can to protect your property. Yeah. And, you know, it makes sense initially to say, hey, well, what if I put a wall up in front of my property? That'll protect me from the ocean. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, walls for the most part have a very, um, uh, create a whole, a very false sense of security. Um, and, you know, and it's not just the fact that we're having impacts here. We're having impacts nationwide from seawalls. We're having impacts internationally from seawalls. Um, you know, historically they thought this was the way to do things, was to build a hard walled yeah. structure and that would keep the ocean out. Yeah. And um, what they found is that, yes, it may protect your property temporarily, um, but 
ultimately you're going to lose your shoreline. Yeah. There will be no beach in front you, of there. You end up losing the beach, basically. Exactly. And potentially your home as well. Yeah. Um, in order to really protect your shoreline, you would need to, a wall that would have to stretch the entire area. Yeah. And that would destroy our economy. Mm-hmm. You know, like down here, Rhode Island relies on tourism. And especially this time of year, we rely on the tourism that comes to our amazing beaches. Yeah. And the last thing we want to see is see a gigantic seawall that stretches from one section of the of the shoreline to the other. Mm-hmm. And and so right now, um, the the regulations currently protect um, certain areas along the shoreline from building seawalls, mm-hmm. and that's an important piece because again we don't want to see these hard wall structures. You can look at other parts of the bay itself where there's a lot of hard wall structures and whatnot, and even down here along South County that have that have historic seawalls. Um, you know, to protect coastal property, um, it may work temporarily again, mm-hmm. but long term it's not gonna it's not yeah. gonna be effective. Right. So basically the effect is um, it's obvious on second thought. I mean, the first instinct is that here a wall will keep the water back. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. But the reality is that the surface rebounds the energy of the waves onto the beach and just strips sand away. Yep. Um, So what structure is best? Is there a different shape of wall? Is there a different kind of barrier that's best to protect a beach, to keep a beach? Well, and so that, see, that's where the challenge gets, you know, and yeah. especially as we look forward um, to the current predictions for sea level rise, um, the challenge is that we're, you know, if we think about trying to build something and then we think about what the shoreline and our sea levels are going to look like in 20, 50, 100 years, yeah. it's going to be underwater anyways. Mm-hmm. So um, this is a big challenge. This is a really, really big challenge. Um, both uh, the Matunic area and the Musquamacate area um, under uh, CRMC, Coastal Resources Management Council, there are, these are the two areas that they're allowed to do experimental erosion control um, methods to help protect the shoreline. Yeah. And these are basically more of a combination of, of soft and, and, and hard walled structures. So soft mm-hmm. would be something like a, um, someone's known as a burrito. It's almost, it literally looks like a burrito. It's <laughs> basically, a, it's like a sand, it's like a sand filled bag yeah. that helps to protect the shoreline okay. there um, versus a hard wall structure, which is basically stone, stone, yeah. gigantic stone. Mm-hmm. And obviously um, gigantic stone um, does not, is not able to actually move um, and will cause erosion on either side and yeah. whatnot. So um, they're looking more at, at some of the options out there and allowing these areas to do that currently right now no one has come forward with a or 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 actually built anything that's that falls under that erosion uh, experimental erosion control yeah you know ultimately the thing that we should be looking at is that is is we shouldn't be looking at trying to protect our shoreline we should be looking at how to how to live in harmony with our shoreline and what that means is that you know, we need to move our structures away from the shore. And that's a very hard thing. But again, if you look at our current shoreline as it is, you know, the majority, especially here in South County, the majority of um, initial homes here that were built in the, the uh, you know, earlier part of the, of the century, middle part of the century, were summer cottages. They were small. Yeah. You know, they were, you know, a couple bedrooms, maybe a bath, you know, a little kitchen and stuff like that. And since that point, most of those small structures have been torn down for much, much larger structures that obviously as you build a larger structure, you're also increasing the, the, the value of the structure. You're also increasing the tax base um, that they would, the taxes that they would actually pay that helps the, the budget of the local town. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is that look 
looking at the current predictions, the current NOAA predictions that, that CRMC is using for um, um, basically managing the coastline over the next, say, uh, next hundred years, you know, we're looking at, you know, and I, I'll start far away because this is the hard one, is by 2100, 9 to, 9 to 11 feet of sea level rise. Wow. Now, 2100, I'm not going to be alive, you know, I, I get it, to, unless something amazing happens. And I'm not sure I want to be alive at that yeah, point. Yeah, I'm going to be like 125. Um, but my kids hopefully will be, you yeah. know, and the shoreline's going to be a very different place. And we need to figure out how we can live in harmony with that changing, these changing conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that means that we have to think about the structures that are currently there, and we need to start thinking about moving away from the shoreline. Yeah. And that's a hard conversation. It's a really hard conversation. It's, it is, and, and most likely it's going to happen more organically over time, yeah. that people are just going to realize, hey, you know, this is not, you know, we can't afford to keep putting the money that we are into this place um we made a good run of it you know like but it's hard when you have families that are so connected to the coast and so connected to to memories and and whatnot down there um that with things changing so much along the shoreline we need to start thinking like that yeah i mean and it's especially difficult in rhode island when the whole state is basically the coastline i think rhode island has one of the highest coastline ratios yeah, ratio of coastlines it's either the first area. or second uh, what's this it's the first or second yeah i it, have it written down that there are 420 miles yes. of coastline yeah. in rhode island yep. and it is a tiny state it's the tiny, whole thing yep. is on the water absolutely so this issue which would be an issue for any coastal state all yep. up and down the seaboard um is kind of profound in rhode island yep. and though you're you're saying that this sort of insane change and storm damage will come in the future it's also come a few times to a few locations in the past. Absolutely. One very interesting story uh, that you were recounting to me about a month ago when we were down in Napa Tree, mm-hmm. again here in Westerly, yep. is that the stretch of land on Napa Tree Point used mm-hmm. to have mansions on it yep. about 100 years ago, 80 years yeah. ago, yep. when it was the hurricane of 38. 38, yes, yep. That destroyed them. Yes. Like completely. Yes. And you would have no idea. If if no one told you, you wouldn't even know. And most people don't know that. If you think back, I mean, 38 was obviously a long time ago, you know, and, um, and, and so the child, 80 years ago, exactly. Um, and the majority of people that were alive during 1938 are no longer here. They're either no longer alive or they are, they just no longer live in this area. There's only a few that I actually can recall the 38 hurricane and they were most likely pretty small pretty young at that age. Yeah. Anyways, um, the 38 hurricane, which is basically the, the, the storm that the storm of record that we use here in the state, um, yeah. also known as everyone calls it the hundred year storm. Um, and the misperception behind using the hundred year storm doesn't mean that we get a storm every hundred years. It basically means there is a 1% chance at any one year that a storm of that magnitude, uh, and, and strength will Mm -hmm. impact our shoreline. So it has been fairly quiet since 38. We had hurricane Carol in 54. We, Mm -hmm. we had some other storms, Gloria, we had Sandy, which did a lot of damage around here, but we really haven't had that, you know, major intense, 1938 storm so you're exactly right and there's a lot of great um books out there that kind of anecdotal stories that talk about the 38 hurricane but napa tree point yeah used to have beautiful houses all the way out there all the way out to the fort uh and there used to be a fort all the way on the end there and the 38 hurricane came and and wiped them out yeah um and 
those that survived anecdotally have been told that they rode their roofs across to to the the northern side of Little Narragansett yeah. Bay, Osbrook Point, and in in, um, in Stonington, and which is amazing in itself. All right, <laughs> um, but that being said. Uh, after the 38 hurricane occurred, whereas other parts of the state they decided to rebuild, here along Napa Tree, they decided that w- that was it. So they kind of learned their lesson yep. in and that s- area. Yep. At least. And so a lot of that property in Napa Tree has gone on under conservation, um, mm-hmm. managed by the uh, Watch Hill Conservancy, Watch Hill Fire District, and there's a few, I think there's a few private parcels down there as well. But it's never been rebuilt. Yeah. You know, in 80 years, never. You know, there's, you know, it's never been rebuilt. Well, it seems impossible now. That stretch it, of land it, is so thin. It, it, has well, it been eroded? It, ha- it has eroded, and especially the um, Sandy did some damage where some of the walkthroughs yeah. were there. It, it, it kind of it kind of did some damage there, and the Conservancy is yeah. doing a lot of work to help protect that. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that if you take the, the width of Napa Tree Point, since the 1938 storm, that barrier that coastal barrier okay has migrated one full width to the north wow and that is a natural process Mm -hmm. along all of these shorelines basically sand is constantly at moving Mm -hmm. you know during major storms it pushes sands further up on the shore Mm -hmm. um during times of 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 a little more gently gentle seas and seasons and whatnot that sand kind of comes comes back and kind of fills up the beach but the reality is that sand is constantly in motion so Take a structure, whether you're taking a a seawall, whether you're taking a home or whatnot. When you put a permanent structure as like a stake in the sand at the beach, um, when the sand is actually trying to move during a storm, it can't. It hits that structure. It tries to go around that structure oftentimes, Mm -hmm. but it can't move it. Um, And as it as it tries to move it, it kind of erodes around that structure. So, you know, that's one of the big challenges with having so much development here along this coast and and looking at you know, what our future holds for us, you know, in terms of, you know, you know, we're going to see three to five feet by 2050. Okay. That's not far away. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. 30 or so years ago away, you know, like that is a, that's not, and that was the same number that three to five feet that we were looking at several years ago as what we were going to see at the end of 2100. Yeah. So things have accelerated accelerated. And part of that has to do is that we understand the science better. Um, and, and, we understand some of the, the impacts that go along with, you know, mm-hmm. the, the higher sea levels and whatnot. Do you think, um, given that Rhode Island will be so acutely exposed mm-hmm. to the threat of sea level rise, is there a positive spin on that situation in which the state could be a leader? Absolutely. In uh, an adaptation against Absolutely. This? change that's happening and and the state already is um uh crmc um is has been the last several years um has been working on something known as a as a as a samp a special area management plan for the entire shoreline that looks at the shoreline change it's often known as the beach samp yeah and you can basically google beach samp and there's lots and lots of information out there there's there's um uh there's basically different um uh, models that you can use to, to check out your own home and see what the impacts may be there there's a lot of resources there and, yeah. and really anyone that lives anywhere near the coast and I mean and I'm not talking Burville but I'm, I am talking like within the first couple miles of the coast yeah. should be should should understand their 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 potential impact by, by where they live you okay. know and, and, and if there is a, an impact so yeah so yeah so Rhode Island is already a leader there and I think as as um, as we move forward and really think about the future now is the time for 
towns and the state to basically step up and take really proactive measures to say, okay, we understand that you know, tourism is so huge to us. And we also understand that we have a tax base that we need to preserve to help run our government. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we have both? And part of that is going to look at things like retreat. And we're seeing that. We're seeing some places where we have, especially since Sandy, where we've had um, businesses and communities make decisions that are looking more at the long term. For example, Wesley Town Beach has moved their beach pavilion back 30 feet. South Kingstown Town Beach has moved it back, I forget how much, 100 or so feet. Yeah, pretty um, far. It yeah. is pretty far compared to what it was. And, and again, that where it was originally, um, that little boardwalk in front was engineered to last 30 years. Yeah. And we weren't even close to 30 years. Mm-hmm. But they took the proactive effort to actually move their structure back. Yeah. Um, Snag, Sam Snack Bar, which was completely wiped out during uh, hurricane, uh, Superstorm Sandy, um, now has a mobile truck. Yeah. Um, so they have a deck there and a mobile truck. So when a storm comes, they can actually move. Yeah. So these are all the kind of decisions that we need to make as 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 individuals, as communities, as 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 a state right now um, to look at preserving the long term um, our long term benefits of of tourism yeah. and and our beaches. The reality is, you know, our beaches are always going to be there. The question is whether or not we are. Yeah. And so. Um, it may not be as vast as they are right now. They may be a little bit of fringing beach up against Route 1 mm-hmm. eventually. Um, but the truth is that our beaches are always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And if we take the proactive steps now and think about you know, where we live, where we work, where there are structures, where can we move to, you know, um, those are going to make a big difference. But it's going to take time. You know, like yeah. The other thing is that in some communities, um, they're working on, on raising structures, so getting them out of the floodplain. Yeah. Um, that's okay. You know, that's a, that's a good temporary solution. It's not a long-term solution. It's a temporary solution. Yeah. Because eventually, um, the road that you live on, your driveway, your lawn, during these storms is going to become flooded more and more and more often yeah. that you just can't access it. You know, so looking at what they do on the Outer Banks where you need full drive to get to certain parts of the state. You want to you live there? Fine. Yeah. You need full drive to get there. You know, emergency vehicles can't get there. These are all the... You know things we need to start looking at. We should look at the tax base. You know we should look at, you know, should those that live along the first row be paying the highest taxes? Right. There will always be a front row, but yeah. should they be paying the There's highest so taxes? So much upkeep needed for that front row. There's so it much. It is, that needs and, to be and part of it too is like you know what that you know your house on that front row may, may last a hundred years. It may last yeah. two years. You know it depend. It all depends on what's on the horizon. We just don't know. So by being proactive, by thinking about you know, property and, and infrastructure like roads and, and mm-hmm. electrical lines and everything else, sewers, you know, all that, or, or, you know, not, not so much sewers down here, but looking at septic systems. That's yeah. the other challenge is that, you know, as sea levels get higher, um, our septic systems are not going to function. You know, like yeah, those yeah. that have, those Reversed. that have um, uh, wells, those yeah. wells are mostly going to get contaminated with seawater. They're going to be undrinkable. Yeah. You know, so these are all the challenges that, are, and I, I don't want to say we have to look forward to because that's the that's the <laughs> wrong way to say it. But these are the to these anticipate. Yeah, we need to start anticipating and, and understand that they're on the horizon and yeah. that we need to start preparing for them now. Yeah. Um, because they are going to make things even more challenging as yeah. we go along. And the longer we wait, the harder these decisions are going to make be able to make. Yeah. And the more expensive they are. So by yeah. taking proactive measures now, we can kind of offset and we can slowly change and adapt to these changing conditions. Yeah. 
Man, it's a big issue. Who it's, would have thought that this small <laughs> office down here, this little project, would be yeah. uh, would have its eyes on you know, one of the biggest things going on? It is, and and I, I got to tell you, like this is a conversation that I have almost every single day from everyone. Yeah, you know, like and and, and trying to figure out what we can do and 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 i've heard it from all angles that people are adamant they're not moving yeah. and that's fine again that's your decision yeah. but ultimately you may have no choice you know right. like you're a storm may take out that property and there may, may be nothing left you may never be able to rebuild you know but um there's a lot of challenges under you know that we have um coming forward and and we have to again we are a leader yeah rhode island is a huge leader in coastal management huge you know, we have URI here, we have CRMC, you know, all, all working on huge, huge, uh, like, issues and whatnot. And and we need to step up as a state, as local communities, as individuals, and think about, you know, what's best to help preserve our local environment. Because, yeah. there, you know, we live here because of our beaches. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to preserve those, those as, as long as we can. Yeah. So all these challenges might also be an opportunity to be a leader, like you said, Absolutely. for many, many other places in, around the whole world yep. that are going to face this Absolutely. problem, too. And the truth is that the country's looking here, you know, yeah. and looking at little Rhode Island, you know, yeah. and that's not a bad thing. You know, I think the more conversation that we can have about this, um, the better. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having that thank conversation you, today. Yeah. Thank you. I think we'll sign off soon. You've already been very generous with your time. Again, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> the thing I keep mentioning about Save the Bay is that uh, all of you guys do so much work. So yeah. I'm very grateful anytime that someone no you know, agrees to come on the show or let me come down and record. Yep, anytime. Um, just before we get out of here, is, sure. there, is there anywhere online that people could find you if they want to continue this conversation or weigh in or ask well, you a question? So... Um, we do have the South Coast Center. Yeah. This time of year, um, I'm out in the field a huge amount. Um, yeah. So it's hit or miss if you're going to find me in the office each and every day. But okay. definitely as the weather gets colder and stuff, I'm here most of the winter. Yeah. Um, but we, you can search online. You can, um, I'm on uh, Twitter a lot, okay. Instagram, uh, yeah. Coast, Coastkeeper RI is one of the ways to find me on Twitter. Right? Yeah. And okay. you can always, you know, call the office and, okay. and find me and stuff like that. So, or stop by anytime. Cool. So, all right. I'll give out the Save the Bay links too. I mean, you can check out savebay.org for more information about the organization or about becoming a member or volunteering. You can find us on facebook.com slash Narragansett and on Twitter at SaveTheBayRI. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisJoseph underscore. And once again, I forgot to introduce myself in this show. Yeah, no worries. I'm your host, Chris, <laughs> uh, communications intern at Save the Bay. Um, but anyone who's listening has probably heard me a lot, so they're good on that yep. uh, now. So, Dave, um, thanks once again. Hopefully thanks, we'll Chris. have you back on yeah, at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe consider this enormous discussion because yeah. there's a lot to talk there's about. There's a lot of pieces to it. It's, it's, um, I, I see it as a... Uh, there's so many arms to it and you can go off yeah. on one arm very easily. It is fascinating. Yeah. Also a little scary. It's a little scary. Very engaging between and, those two things. But also I think as, as, a, as a surfer as well, yeah. like you understand the intense power of a wave yeah. and what that damage can do. Mm-hmm. And, and it is scary, you know, and yeah. it is one of those things that we, again, we need to try to work in harmony with, with the natural environment. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard thing. It really is. It's challenging. Yeah. Well, it's a, a lifetime of work and you've been right. well on your way with that. Well, thanks. So <laughs> probably we'll hear you once again in the future, but okay. for today, thanks again for coming right. on. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Bye.